All right, welcome back to our fourth episode of our new Universe Marvel Comics podcast. And joining us as usual, I have myself, Andy Roback, and our good friend, Steve Woodcock. All right. Just a couple of guys that are up to no good reading new new universe comics in our neighborhood, right? <laughs> I think I plagiarized that. Sorry. Oh, it's straight off the spinner rack. It's the Ooh. new universe. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll save that one for next time. You can one up my introduction. <laughs> All right. So uh, today we've got our last two issues of the issue ones. So our, our whole peak at the new universe will be complete uh with justice issue one and then dp7 issue one so we'll, but we'll start off with justice <clears throat> so uh justice uh, is our i guess our title character as well um our cover we've got a nice little scene of justice who of course is sporting a white to silver mullet it's like a nice flat top but long in the back he's got a trench coat high boots white tights and a blue shirt um, that definitely looks kind of futury with a nice yellow and orange lightning bolt kind of pattern and it looks like he's menacing uh, well a character we will find out later uh, the drug dealer in the park <laughs> um, it, he looks you know quite villainous actually in the in the cover oh yeah got, are you hero or villain glowing red eyes yeah so uh, this one opens a little rough so uh first panel we're in alphabet city which is in fact a part of manhattan um and un our unfortunate first victim and a lot of these new universe issues seem to start with a death uh well i guess we're not 100 sure she's dead but we have the bloodied and knocked out in a pile of groceries on the on the dirty street corner uh eudora simpson black female age 71 seamstress retired uh, as we introduced to three goons who stole her social security money um two of which have names uh so we have pink the crazy white guy who stole cookies along with the money and is real excited about making bad jokes about that <laughs> And uh, who's the other guy? Slits. A black Slits with the sunglasses. Yeah, so he's, he's got some weird futuristic sunglasses. Think, you know, LeVar Burton, Star Trek Next Generation kind. Um, and a mohawk. And then a, another nameless guy who doesn't really get much going, going for him. And I don't think he ever gets a name. Holmes, I think. Or hey, I, I couldn't tell if he was calling him home or if that's his name or just the nickname yeah yeah so so we open with a deck and some goons and he's trying to uh talk down pink our crazy white guy who's obsessed with cookies yeah so they retreat into a building to kind of see what their stash is and so then we get our title page brave new world uh, so this is archie goodwin as our writer and also the creator so he came up with the concept for this one. And we got a team of artists, uh, which is interesting for the first issue. Jeff Isherwood, Joe Del Bito, and Jack Fury, which has got to be a pen name. Uh, I could not find anything on Jack Fury. Uh, oh, wow. I, I saw the cover artist. says Isherwood. So, yeah. So I, I, there was no obvious 
change in art style. Uh, so maybe they work together on this one. I'm not really sure. Um, you know, and, and I mean, artists can be like a write a penciler, inker, both. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, we don't know. But it has a letterer and a colorist. So yeah, maybe. Uh, not sure how they all teamed up on this one. None of them have. None of the writers I could find had much of a huge comics resume, but mm. at least some work as far as things go. All right. Well, back to our issue. Um, so. Our title page also is a big full panel spread of our goons, thugs, uh, sorting through the poor old woman's purse and getting excited about how many $20 bills there are. Uh, but in the background, you know, in the dark, in his trench coat, you know, we see our justice character kind of hanging back. He just snuck in behind them, essentially. Uh, so he walks in. Um, you know, they catch him coming down the stairs, basically. He just basically walks straight up to them. Um, you know, they make fun of his coat, or they, they like his coat, but make fun that he's wearing it in the middle of July, which is sort of a reoccurring theme that he sort of stands out and is a little odd, um, except he's in New York City. Um, you know, they're trying to figure out if he's police or not. They, they get a nice panel of just glowing red eyes. Um, <laughs> so again, yeah, he doesn't seem very heroic. It's uh, not busting in, you know, telling these guys, um, you know, you're going to pay for your crimes or, you know, we're taking you to jail. He's basically just stalks up to them and stares at them menacingly, uh, which is kind of cool, but it's, it's an angry start. All right. So here, so here we start to get a look at his powers. So um, there's a nice image where we see what justice sees. So just outlines of all of the characters and they're white and they all have kind of like a, you know, energy splash almost looks like a paint splatter of green. Um, so this is him uh, reading the auras of the bad guys. Uh, so we, we learn a little more about this later, uh, but green is for bad guys. I'm trying to keep track uh, as we go. Yeah, I don't see anything about the, sh the shape of the like designs that he sees. It's just this sort of glowing, um, nebula inside each of them so yeah so there are some distinct shape patterns but but yeah we don't have any clue of whether that means anything or just whatever the artist felt like drawing at the, any given moment um so you got a nice little important thing you know so slits the bad guy pulls off his shades and staring down justice <laughs> you know he pulls out a little switchblade uh and then basically just all three of them get blasted uh, but since he pulled off that, those shades, uh, they go flying and are un, undamaged uh, as the three uh, criminals get vaporized. They're quite literally turned to ashes. Yeah, we see the, the red cone of something, fire, and then it's just a pile of ash on the floor. Yep. And then his first and only line so far is, I am justice, as he's... Uh, yeah, disintegrating these folks with his hand. So yeah, just shoots a beam of power out of his right hand. Um, so we've got two of Justice's powers uh, locked down now. He's got hand laser and he can see evil auras. Right. So um, I, I like this next page. So, you know, this is him thinking, you know, the world is alien, my purpose is not. And now I need not wait for darkness to move outdoors into its harsh and brutal light, right? So he's not from around here, though we don't really know where yet. Um, 
is just kind of like the Terminator, right? And he just shows up, looks yeah, kind of he... strange, runs into runs into some punks, kills them. <laughs> this is the Terminator. Uh, and actually, in that, you know, page five, after he's grabbing the shades, um, I see a, like a poster up on the wall, uh, which looks a lot like Arnold in the Terminator with some sunglasses, <laughs> kind of really tiny there. So. I like that reference. I'm I'm think, I'm guessing that's what that is. Possible. I I also like I have absorbed enough to converse, to explore, to attempt to learn where I am and who has brought me here. He's yeah. very lost, um, and he maybe didn't even know how to uh, communicate. He somehow <laughs> absorbed that. Yeah. So yeah, this it is still pretty mysterious. We don't have, really have a name yet, other than he calls himself Justice. You know, it's just kind of an interesting uh, opener for him. So then we move on to a cliffside mansion in Baja, California. Um, and so we get another mysterious character. So he says he's alive here, and we have sort of a purple silhouette almost of a guy in like a japanese hot tub um steam so really don't get a look at him at all uh, but he says forget the drink lorenzo get my son on the phone scrambled line right so um we go quickly to his son who is um you know equal parts you know evil heartless corporate guy and apparently um alien mastermind right so we presume this is the son uh, and he has a long conversation uh kind of talking about their business the conquest dynamics is the name uh, and he is apparently mr conquest i don't know if we got a i don't didn't catch a first name for mr conquest oh damon well damon is the young one in the boardroom uh, and the you. other one is just his father now i think they don't have a yeah, so the father's still mysterious, uh, but poor Damon is torturing some corporate lackey <laughs> who disappointed him, and he kind of like basically seems like he's making fun of him and convinces him the only way he's going to keep his job is if he, yeah, yakuza style chops off his finger, <laughs> and he does. So again, you know, they don't show too much close up of the poor guy whacking his his pinky off. Uh, we get a shadow up. in the back. There's a nice shadow in the back. Um, we do get him kind of grimacing in pain, and you know, a tissue wrapped stump, bloody stump finger. <laughs> so again, you know, this one's a lot more adult. Yeah. So that this reminded me, like you know, there was the '80s uh, business culture, and also a lot of the Japanese, you know as the the real business masterminds and so you you have to compete with the japanese and take the yeah. business philosophy from them and stuff and so he's i'm not sure if he's really applying it or he's just telling this guy to do it just to... <laughs> it seems like he's just messing with him really um so we do get kind of an important tidbit at the end you know as he's uh so he's basically uh he's talking with his father and we get some idea that uh like they know of justice right and they were actually trying to kill him somehow long distance um and so the white event gets mentioned um and they're wondering whether or not like their attempt to kill him plus the white event somehow combined to magically you know bring him back here like instead of you know 
leaving him wherever he was and offing him. And in fact, he gets sort of drawn back to New York City right where they're at as sort of a uh, unhappy accident for them. But the son takes it as his job uh, to then uh, presumably hunt down and kill our uh, justice character. He says, uh, and they think he'll have memory loss, disorientation, right? He'll be unsubtle, he'll be vulnerable. Right. And he clearly it was unsubtle, right? He just walks up and starts blasting people. So he's not hiding, but he doesn't and, know that he has to. Yeah. And he says, believe me, I know. Yeah. You know, how, what it's gonna be like for him. So right. So yeah, definitely you get the feeling these guys are all part of the, the backstory here we haven't heard yet. So. Yeah. And then come the pretzels. <laughs> Right. So we cut back to just another uh, very Latino uh, character. Hey, essay. Right. Yeah. Big ombre like you. Every comic needs a Latino street pretzel guy. It's just part of the part of every, every comics universe. Right, so get a little bit more of justice in action, and he he strolls by, catches a whiff of of uh, pretzels, which are sometimes drawn rounded and sometimes drawn geometric angles, uh, which for some reason stands out to me. Uh, but he's got his cool shades now. Grabs one, uh, talks about, or just sort of talking about himself a little bit. Uh, I'm a warrior, and I serve the cause of justice. You know, there's part of me that feels this should be enough, kind of thing. Uh, he, he just basically steals a pretzel as he's walking on by, uh, and the sassy Hispanic pretzel salesman guy takes it back. Uh, then, of course, he runs straight into a uh, woman who's harassing her drug pusher. Right? I guess I I I first thought she was a prostitute and her, talking to her pimp, but maybe both she's dressed prostitute she's got the bread <laughs> snap <laughs> you're gonna take care of me right right so she's got the money and snap is the drug dealer that she's trying to get the drugs from mm-hmm. um we get a, a, a little a look sorry a look at a new aura color as the pimp slash drug dealer slash you know guy with a hat uh it's got that <laughs> green aura that we had before uh you know the bad guy aura um but the woman who just ran into justice has a blue aura with sort of a yellow core in the middle too so blue maybe not so bad it helps to learn this because although he doesn't say too much about it he doesn't vaporize her (laughs) (laughs) the uh snap really looks like he stepped out of the 50s, possibly the 30s. The, yeah. the hat is really, and the suit really don't add up to drug dealer and even in the 80s. So. And, he's, and he's given Justice a hard time for the big long trench coat, but yeah, he's wearing a full coat, suit, hat combo too. So I don't know where he gets off of that. <laughs> uh, though I like that he has a goon waiting in the wing. So, you know, so the girl bumped into justice who's just kind of staring at them using his aura sensing powers. Um, But the drug dealer doesn't like that. So he calls out his buddy Regis, right? I like to think Philbin, but maybe he's too buff for Regis Philbin. (laughs) Who's basically just lurking. An early role, uh, largely uncredited. uh, 
how could there be more than one Regis who <laughs> basically just sneaks up behind him and, you know, puts him in a chokehold. Uh, Justice really is not almost unfazed. He makes a quick look of distress, but then he's kind of grim, kind of smiling and uh, flips him over his head and drops him on his head and takes, makes short work of Regis. <laughs> so he uh, does it with, with no powers. It's just his warrior's training, I guess. Yeah. And he, he, he notes that there isn't time to properly judge him, just put him beyond interference. So he's just trying to like knock the guy out, I guess. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good addition, right? So he's basically just eyeballing everybody, right? So where is all the evil? And, uh, you know, they best watch out. But it does take him a minute. And he does have to take off his shades now uh, to use his aura sensing power. So yeah, drops Regis on his head with a rack. W-R-A-K sound effect. Um, the drug dealer panics, threatens to crush the girl's head. He's got her in a chokehold and threatening her with a rock of all things, right? So a lot of low-tech villain villainry here. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's... I didn't mention it, but... He's got a rock in his hand. He's going to just clobber a girl that he's holding. I don't know whether... <laughs> yeah, it's uh, a weak... I mean, if he was smart... Maybe you wouldn't have to sell the drugs, right? <laughs> but we get a, a look at uh, Justice's third power as he shoots kind of a series of squares out of his hand. I'm not sure if that's the artist effect or if he's shooting multiple, um, but he uses his shield fired from his left hand. You know, so it's kind of like a, a blunt force, like instead of vaporizing him, just knocks the hand away. Um, and the drug dealer's panicking. He's like, oh, I didn't mean it. I'm not, you know, you know, if you really want to find the bad guys, you know, go check out the factory, uh, which was also named drop, name dropped by the three goons in the beginning. Um, you know, he's crying and complaining and saying, it's not even real drugs. I just pretend, you know, and scamming people. And it's fake. Um, Justice kind of walks off. Um, but uh, ends up basically turning and uh, vaporizing our drug dealer again. So I kept a kill count on this one. So yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Did you? <yeah. laughs> well, I went back to uh, Merck. I'll tell you about that later. But yeah, nice. So there's a halfway decent body count here. I'll, I'll be curious to see how we stack up against Merck. It's the the justice. I'll I'll say right now kills most of the people himself. Yes. Um, in Merck, people are dying all over the place, but Merck himself does not kill that many. Justice yeah. is um, the vast majority of the people we're going to see uh, killed here. Yeah. Mark, Mark Hazard's more of a softie. Yeah. <laughs> even if, even so if for bad aura, he might let you live. Justice is not clearly not going to let anyone live. Confirms for me that in this world as my own, men may lie, but their auras don't. Yeah. <laughs> but then he gets he gets the pretzel. <laughs> he does get the pretzel. Yeah, the um you can kind of see Regis on the ground with a pool of blood maybe under him. <laughs> the girl is getting help from someone. So it's our second person with a pool of blood. It's, it's rough. All right, so we're almost at the halfway point uh mark has taken out a set of goons and a drug dealer he's zeroed in on the factory uh 
and that's where we're headed next, right? So we, we get introduced to some more characters, some police officers. Uh, so we have uh, Rebecca Chambers or Becky being driven by, I love this name, Hoyt Pittman. Um, and I mean, yeah, you know ahead. they couldn't have tried to stick the word pit into more things, but if they had you know done it on purpose, <laughs> like. like uh, that wasn't uh, Knights wasn't the only uh, dress pit. Uh, don't forget your Hoyt Pitman, artist news FBI agent. Since someone I had to look up on Wikipedia. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So, so she sort of gets introduced, uh, and we don't see that much Hoyt Pitman, uh, but he seems like he's kind of like the easygoing but straight laced, you know, super cop kind of guy. I just want to play it by the numbers, maybe. Um, so let me say the, the factory is an interesting um, scene. It's uh, kind of Studio 54, I guess, uh, with some of Warhol's factory, which was his like art studio, but also, I guess, a lot of drugged out celebrities hung out there too. But I'm guessing it was mostly like an idea of Studio 54, this sort of... Uh, popular um, glamorous place with some sketchy stuff going on upstairs yeah and they do some nice work on it i mean it doesn't look like much on the outside it looks like kind of like a brick factory on the inside there's a nice scene where everything's kind of black uh but with color outlines of all the kind of like factory rigging and hooks and cranes and uh you know of course a nice disco ball and some platforms that look like gears and a whole bunch of people and you know dance mode as far as things go um but yeah so what we're getting the impression of here in the story is uh uh chambers rebecca chambers is undercover and she's got to go into the factory and kind of make one last check uh, before they bust the guys for selling drugs presumably uh or maybe other uh, horrible things there's a lot of criminal uh corrupt bad guys in this one um, and I guess there's a Jean Paul. It's yes, undercover already. Yeah, our undercover, our traitor, <laughs> our double agent, John Paul. Uh, he, he's not going to make it to issue two. John Paul does not. <laughs> and then the the bouncer at the door. She never gets a name, but she's kind of very present through the rest of the issues so. yeah they make it seem like she may come back as a recurring character or at least she's sort of yeah uh, i mean justice at this point doesn't have a lot of personalities he's kind of like the terminator marching around you know taking care of things and he's got some inner monologue but you know not much going on on the outside um so we kind of so you do need to pair him them. with someone yeah yeah uh, but yeah so they let him in because you know dragon lady the, the girl bouncer at the door kind of thinks he looks interesting so uh so she basically lets him in and starts uh leading him around hoyt Pittman is dressed up as a chauffeur uh pretending uh you know to be leading becky chambers who's totally not a cop but some rich lady who wants to buy drugs or something um so he's kind of wait outside but he's eyeballing justice thinking that something's up because of course there's a huge guy with a silver mullet and weird sunglasses and a trench coat 
maybe something. And Justice had, had really taken off when he saw Rebecca. So that's right. So he mentions her uh, aura uh, a few times as being sort of exceptional and reminding him of his ex-girlfriend. Yeah. So we don't really see it, but uh, he, he describes it as a pure or good. So Yeah, which is rare and something he does not usually come across. All right. So in the, the following pages, you know, we get some more criminals. So there's there's a lot of criminal corporate <laughs> bad guys to keep track of in this one. There really is. Um, <laughs> I swear it was like one whole page of nothing but the, the people who appeared in this issue. Yeah. And that's putting like the thugs together into one line. It's right. Like, so uh, I, do, I do like Chango Villa Lobos. <laughs> oh yeah. And Marty. <laughs> Marty Roth, Chango, Billy Lobos, and Nestor, the gun-happy, trigger-happy uh, assistant. Yeah, he doesn't do much other than hold kind of a cartoonish-looking gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so it, it takes a little decoding. Um, Chango is not happy with Marty. Marty is apparently the showrunner at the factory, right? So this is kind of his deal. Um, they're talking about a traitor who is our Jean-Paul policeman undercover. Um, so they've figured out that he was, in fact, an undercover officer, um, but uh, Marty wanted to flip him. So he thinks he's convinced him to really kind of, you know, set up Rebecca Chambers and make her take the fall and they're going to profit. And you know, there's, there's quite a bit of convoluted... Uh, uh, scheming going on. Chango's having none of it. He's just ready to, to off Marty and he's not very happy about it uh, altogether. Um, but yeah, Marty is actually really well developed. Uh, you know, he's got a whole philosophy where, you know, he's an ex hippie and all of his friends think he's, you know, gone evil and corporate and criminal, but really he's trying to uh, corrupt the system from the inside. <laughs> and so the, the whole thing is dry rot and collapses and it's pretty impressive i, I like Marty. So, yeah it's layers to this that you wouldn't expect but um right the drug dealer and the i don't know the owners all those layers can easily be vaporized though <laughs> yeah. easily vaporized so yeah. yeah there is a lot of talk about corruption and that, that justice always sees corruption around him yep yeah, so he, he's he's working his way up the the, the chain essentially from the, the low thug goons who just hit some poor old lady with a pipe to a you know slightly more organized drug dealer to the, now he's you know all the way it's just an issue one but he's he's working on his third group of ne'er do wells. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, conquest dynamics gets name dropped again, so we get some connections to the evil. Uh, people who know about justice and then all the disco light and the people dancing reminds our hero uh, Tenson, who we get like a little bit of name here, T-E-N-S-E-N uh, got a, a little flashback remembrance of a love, love scene uh, interrupted by evil red-eyed glowing ninjas is that fair? Uh, yeah, ninjas yeah, I, I... assassins <laughs> The way he write, they write it, I didn't know if it was Tenson or Ten hyphen Sen. Yeah. So until later. So I don't part of the we, mystery for now, I guess. Yeah, I don't think we get the name again either. So but yeah, so but yeah, he, to... 
he was in uh, another place, another dance, another world with his girlfriend, Chandra. Yes. And I'm, we're not really sure what happens after that. So it looked like he's been successfully ambushed. Right? He doesn't have time to defend himself. Um, you know, and, and they, they kind of incapacitate him. Uh, but then he kind of wakes up and uh, she introduces herself, the dragon lady <laughs> kind of wakes her up or mm. wakes him up. Uh, so yeah, it's your friend, the dragon lady. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's a, that's a solid nickname. She's owning it. Uh, but yeah, not sure if this is what they were talking about before of like they were trying to kill him and they were unsuccessful and they accidentally sent it sent him to New York or if that's just an unrelated assassination. I don't know, but maybe we'll get some more backstory later. Um, all right, so he's trying to track down Rebecca Chambers. He's kind of, you know, daydreaming and losing sight of his uh justice related mission to find this woman because of her you know, impressively pure perfect aura so he's got high standards uh she's currently meeting with uh jean pierre uh who are talking about you know him being a double agent basically um and while he's confident that the cameras that are seeing him are not recording audio uh, he's way wrong and our good friend shango villobos villalobos man i messed it up <laughs> uh he he bends for no one and nestor uh who's good at standing there and shooting um uh, basically starts shooting up the nightclub to try and kill justice so you know we get a nice i'm unfamiliar with these types of weapons but clearly they are uh so he fires wildly into the crowd you know maybe kills one poor guy who looks a little bit like archie from betty and veronica because uh, Justice couldn't get the shields up in time um, to deflect it. So, we go, no, yeah, so the uh, shield is, you know, it's not just a small thing. It can be full yeah. si body sized, but he has to put it in the right place at the right time, I guess. So. Yep. So he protects himself, protects the dragon lady. Um, Chambers and Jean-Paul kind of dive over the bar for cover. Uh, and they're sort of safe. Um, then we get to, uh, da, da, da. Uh, it's impossible to make the defense perfect. And I elect to risk dropping the shield to use the sword, right? So uses the, maybe he can't use them both at the same time is what we're getting here. Uh, but one more goon has been vaporized. <laughs> so sorry, guy with the gun. Kill count goes up one. Um, and so, uh, big mistake. Need like a sound effect for this. <laughs> it's going on. Ching. -ching. <laughs> oh yeah, I thought you meant for this cool laser hand. <laughs> uh, that that would also be good. But no, just like everyone who, who gets murked or whatever you call. It. <laughs> <laughs> like a radio DJ, I'll press the button. It says you got murked. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if we had video, I could the the Grand Theft Auto wasted. Oh yeah, probably wouldn't be a copyright infringement or anything. Um, but yeah, so Jean Paul, who 
you know, it's a police officer slash maybe a double agent. You know, we're not sure how many sides he's playing, but it doesn't matter. We're a triple agent. Yeah. His conversation was just like, oh, I, you know, they knew I was an agent. So I told them, I let them turn me. And so now I'm working. Yeah. Who who are you working for? Um, (laughs) Justice isn't having any of it, though. He picks up a gun and he's got a kind of angry James Bond looking face going on. Um, But the the next panel, he's vaporized. So, you know, Justice takes out an undercover police officer. um, But he had the evil aura. Um, So... Well, at first you have, I've seen the, what the weapon can do and I act without hesitation. Yeah. And you're like, did he scan him or did he just blow him away? <laughs> it's true. We didn't actually get to see him on panel scanning. Him. Yeah, we... So he talks about it later. A couple pages later, we'll get to it. like, oh, you know, that guy's evil too. You know? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was uh, I could sense a lot of evil coming from him. I don't know. Like, but he also vaporized a baby. He's like, eh, evil baby. Yeah. Totally green aura. What am I going to do? Got to vaporize it. <laughs> uh, so I, I like him. I like justice. <laughs> he doesn't mess around. I, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah. Go, go. Yeah. He, he's, he's a good guy, Terminator, basically. <laughs> so, uh, whatever your powers you just wasted them on the wrong man so all all we got left here is uh you know marty's still alive and chango is still alive a little bit so he buys himself some time by throwing his cobra commander looking uh dagger cane and kind of deflecting justice's uh sword laser beam uh, but makes kind of a risky move so he jumps through this overlook window so the uh, his eye in the sky kind of club zone where they just happen to be now i guess at this point um jumps and is kind of hanging from the rafters quite literally uh, but fairly confident that he's going to survive yeah this is crazy looking but um reasonable uh, art on this i mean you get a good clear sense of what he's doing and how, how what he how he's trying to get away so there we go yeah so justice then gets stopped by the police right so you know rebecca chambers still alive hoyt Pittman shows up uh pulling a gun on justice so uh, him and the dragon lady are kind of stopped there now um dragon lady's pretty flipped out by everything yeah once the guy died in her arm she's like oh this is this is i i used to think a little violence and something was fun but now i'm you know, and she's she's getting close to hysterical. I think. Yeah, yeah, they do a good job with all the little side, all the side characters here, uh, and all the writing and kind of, you know, they're, they're not just standing there in the scenery. You know, what happened to the fun? <laughs> and uh, you get the impression that you know she kind of liked the dangerous, risky nightclub lifestyle until people started getting vaporized. Yeah. Then it got a little too real. Um. So yeah, so they can. Oh, go ahead. Very identifiable, I guess. Yeah. I I like real real characters in comic books when it's not just only the superheroes talking, and yeah, that's true. Yeah, you were saying once before that um, the the all the characters around the superheroes used to be much more important, and now if you don't have powers, superheroes don't have the time time of day for you. Yeah. Right. So maybe we'll rescue you, but that's about it. 
so, but justice is not finished yet, right? So, um, although he's kind of cornered, he uses his shield to kind of knock our poor Hoyt Pitman out of the way. Um, this is kind of chaos. Chango's still hanging from the rafters, trying to push open one of those classic uh, top of the building um, skylights that are people are always falling through in movies and such. Um, not foreshadowing or anything like that. But for some reason, Marty, the, our anarchistic ex-hippie trying to take down the system his own way, uh, is waiting for him at the top. Um, and he's not really happy with uh, having been messed with so much. Uh, so he grabs the guy's cane, kind of stabs him, drops him from the ceiling. So Chango's gone, but not vaporized. And even Marty there is kind of uh, excited. He's kind of gotten away with it. You know, you know this is nobody left that's going to pin anything on him. Uh, but Justice is standing up there uh, right behind him, kind of up high with his trench coat billowing in the wind like Batman. And, uh, and he can't talk himself out of that anyway. So Marty's got the bad aura too, clearly. Um, Justice vaporizes him for his last kill. <laughs> And uh, yeah, that's that's what we've got. So we, we end with Justice uh, Tenson. You know, we'll learn more about him later, and I'm sure uh, again held up by the police, who um, are justifiably not too happy that they mur he murdered a police officer. Um, and then our last panel, uh, we get uh, our maybe the corporate overlord father back in Baja, California. Uh, Damon, he's struck New York, one of our mid-level places. He's on the trail. Perfect time to unleash the hounds. Unleash the hounds. So, but the next issue is not the hounds, but land of other shadows. So maybe they're shadow hounds. Unleash, you know, the, the next issue could have just been unleash the hounds. That would have been good. I, um... <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this is a lot going on. There's and, a lot going um, on. I, I mean, let me go back a page or two here where um, the, the guys on the roof, uh, Marty and Chango are talking and they're trying to explain what, what had happened because it was like each of them was listening in on the other and they're right. like all setting each other up and Chango just says, whatever your plan, it was too complex to work. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's kind of how you feel after this. I still, you know, am kind of ambiguous about whether John Paul was whose side he ultimately was on. And, you know, he picked up the gun and what was he going to do with it? Yeah. You're not really ever, you know, 100% certain. He did have a menacing so, look on his face. But yeah, there's a lot of John Paul and I counted on you checking up on us. He played his dialogue to infuriate you into action. It's like, yeah, he knew he was going to listen in and yeah. Yeah, I mean, the whole, yeah. So, I mean, it's a kind of self-aware that it's a little bit more than, than, you know, it's a little convoluted, but, you know, in the end, everyone's dead. So, I guess. All your motivations just, just end up as uh, plasma and molecules. <laughs> I should say that uh, Rebecca and Hoyt are um, not just cops, they're FBI agents. So Department of Justice is kind of name dropped a couple of times. And yeah. That's so tough. that sort of justice 
is it him? Is it uh. them? I, and so there's a little uh, something more with that. Maybe um, they'll form a league together or something. Then, uh, yeah, I, um, I don't know. It's, uh, it's a lot. My body count was nine total, of which Justice killed seven. Yeah, I got Justice killing seven. Yeah, that's how I counted it. So I think we're accurate. I think, yeah, someone... The the so, didn't kill Archie, nor did he kill the old lady in the beginning. That would make nine. Oh yeah, that's right. I, I missed one because Chango fell down, right? Oh, that's the, true. Yeah, Marty killed him. Yeah, so, so I guess there would have been ten. But we're not hundred percent sure that the woman in the beginning is dead or just like horrible. I'm gonna say she was just it. So the beginning is real um well a lot of this is one uh part death wish yeah you have that sort of decaying new york this looks more like the bronx in a couple of movies i've seen where it's like just a hell zone war scape you know crazy thug punks you know kill you for your um checkbook or whatever those are the Um, movies that have poisoned my brain so that now anytime i go into like a crummy part of the city i feel like i'm gonna get murdered because i watched so many of those movies in the 80s <laughs> and i mean this wasn't entirely un you know out of fantasy um the the 60s to 70s new york was a dump apparently yeah. and so by the 80s things are picking up but it's still you know they, they where they put this is in the Lower East Side, which was supposedly kind of a rough part, but I remember going through there and not really thinking too much of it at the time, so I don't know. But Yeah, yeah, we get some nice little New York kind of spotting, too, and even the beginning, and they say it's like, despite growing attention from real estate speculators, it can still be a cheap area to live, right? So it's kind of like a cheap rundown. Mm. Excuse me. So, yeah, like I said, Death City. Wish is like the first thing that comes to me when, when, because you, the, these uh, complete uh, dirt bags you run into and that you, you just, you know, you immediately want to see, you know, off the streets. Um, and Justice doesn't sort of wrap them up and take them away or leave them in spider webbing for the cops to come. Right. You're gone. And, so, like as you pointed out, it's um, his first power isn't these like super weapons. It's the aura that he can yeah. literally see who's good and who's evil. It's yeah, all it's very black and white, Old Testament judgment. Yeah, yeah. So he's very literally judge, jury, and executioner. Um, yeah. And this, what this actually kind of reminded me of was um, because there's a sort of a fantasy element where he's come from another place, another world or something. Right. And it has, it's, it's kind of a reverse of a fantasy um, called Sword and Planet, the thing where John Carter suddenly is on Mars and he becomes right. a great warrior. This guy comes from some alien fantasy land to Earth and plays by that same set of rules. There'd been a few like um, Conan's where Conan comes to the present day that probably didn't look too much different than this. Okay. Um, and 
it plays by a fantasy um, or Western um, moral code where this guy is more than happy to play judge with, with whatever he comes across. Yeah. And it's interesting that he's, he still somehow has like an innocent quality because of this. He's yeah. like, I don't, Maybe. I'm an alien. I don't know what's going on here, <laughs> but I know what I got to do. Yeah. Um, if he starts hallucinating colors though, the world's in trouble. <laughs> we right? That aura system breaks down a little bit. I wouldn't uh, depend on it forever, but um, it's an, I mean, it's like you say, um, it's not that he's unfeeling, but he's, um, he doesn't have the uh, play by the same set of rules as um, anyone else does, which makes, you know, it a little harder to, to sort of be, be horrified by what he's doing. Right. Um, and, and yeah, you know, we all kind of root for the, the bad guys to get what's coming to them. And they're, they're pretty uh, scummy dudes. It's, um, it, it helps also that they're just sort of piles of ash, like um, it's more like a video game kill. Yeah. Um, because sometimes so, like someone's arm or out. leg will be sticking out of the cone of death. And you're like, is there just going to be like an arm sitting in a pile of ash in a, in a panel? But crispy. No, it's just bad guy. Yeah, it's just clean uh, a clean kill. Yeah, it's interesting that you got. I d totally didn't think of Death Wish. I, th I was thinking Terminator because of that opening, which I looked up quickly, and it was 1984. So definitely could have been inspired. But Death Wish makes total sense. Good old Charles Bronson. Yeah, it's. I mean, the that's. I think uh, uh, there was a bunch of like Italian ripoff versions of that that I saw or something that uh, where yeah everything's look even worse and scummier because it's like the cheapest movies ever made. But, right. Um, but yeah, that's I think the first Death Wish was kind of more uh, had more character to the guy and uh, he was like a liberal who got mugged so much that he uh, got a gun and went crazy, but. The later ones were just like, here's a guy who gets hassled by these you know, dirt bags and, oh, he'll just shoot him. Okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. The, the people forget how to write for sequels, I think. <laughs> like, what did people like? They, we li they liked it when Charles Bronson shot dudes. So like, All right, more of that. Oh. Time for some... Uh paranormals that have been displaced perhaps seven of them do you have a, a grade for for justice oh grades yeah i liked it on the first read i like it more talking through it um it's a fun setup they do a good job with the characters the art's decent you know i'll, I'll give it my higher new universe mark of an a minus for now i think i i get um, I really like the writing. Again, um, Archie Goodwin um, gives you a, a good story. Um, the art type is, I'm not sure, it's not like inconsistent, like one page looks like one guy and the next page looks like another guy, but it's, it's also not very developed. So yeah. I'll take it down to my B plus. Um, 
but for whatever reason, this one re really grabbed me. Uh, I remember really liking it when I first got it. <laughs> I still quite enjoy it. Yeah. Speaks to your inner, inner Charles Bronson. Yeah, I guess there's a lot of um, mysteries in it. You know, who is this guy? Where, is, where did he come from and everything? And yeah, we don't have the main bad guy kind of squared away yet. So there's, there's, it leaves you hanging with several interesting key, key components. So tune in next time. <laughs> yeah. So let's move along to the last of the new universe titles. Um, the, uh, this is DP7. And as we'll discover from the title page inside, DP is Displaced Paranormals. The cover is um, actually very interesting. Of all of these, it's, it's the one that sort of looks more familiar now because I've seen it several times in uh, uh, the, the movie poster for The Usual Suspects came out much oh, later. Man. But um, it's, it's the characters from, um, from this group that we'll meet in a minute, um, all up against a, um, a police lineup. So they're all standing in uh, against a blank background with the uh, heights and sort of in a spotlight. And um, you can see several, di seven different people there, all with uh, a variety of uh, male, female, um, big and small. And uh, we'll meet them in a second. So yeah, I was, I had sent you a, a, something I found that was earlier than this, which was from uh, the comic book, um, Love and Rockets, or at least a collection of them. Okay. That had come out a couple of years before this. But I don't know if this was like a, just a, a design that had been used from something previous, like a record album I didn't remember or something. Right, the police lineup look is pretty classic, but yeah, where did it come from? <laughs> So when I see it, I always think of DP7, but that's just me. Well, I will, I will just assume that they invented it and it's just another uh, reason to enjoy the new universe. <laughs> there, there are very few of us, but we're in high positions in the uh, yes. media. <laughs> we have a lot Possibly of power nice. and influence, <laughs> unseen ways. So DP7, the Displaced Paranormal 7, and we open on the title page, and this story is just called The Clinic. Uh, it's created by Mark Gruenwald and Paul Ryan. And Gruenwald was the writer, Ryan the penciler. Inker was Romeo Tengal, who I'd seen do some, um, I think, Teen Titans, new Teen Titans in the 80s or early 90s. Um, he's just inking. Um, Paul Ryan had passed away actually just uh, maybe less than five years ago. He had a uh, long career and uh, one of the last things he was doing was like daily comics for I think Phantom. Okay. That purple guy. Um, he has a very clean style I always, I always enjoyed. It's not uh, super dynamic, but it's um, very uh, easy to see what's going on gives characters a lot of uh, individuality and good expression range. So. Anyway, 
we open in Winnebago County, somewhere in Wisconsin. And according to the map, that is the county that has Oshkosh. Oh, so we know another fellow chemists from around there. Yeah, it's it's around there. Um, I'm, I, I only the wish you would put them right in the uh, thick of the action, but mm-hmm. our friends are not, I think, in that town. So um, there's a large guy being brought into a hospital emergency room, and uh, we meet um, one of the the doctor there. We find out later is a third year resident, is a young, clean coat looking guy uh, called Randy, and he's uh, he's talking with. Uh, co-worker and um, some uh, emergency people bring in a guy who is huge. This guy is, um, I don't know, 50% taller than everyone else in the room. Yeah. And covered in muscle. And they say, I've never seen a build on this, like this on anyone, not Schwarzenegger, not Hulk Hogan, no one. And you see the guy is covered in uh, hair, except uh, he's got a huge beard now, uh, except and he's bald on top. So it's sort of a like massive testosterone um, end product, I guess. Yeah. And so they they this guy they his girlfriend had found him in a apartment, passed out with a lot of painkillers or something, and everyone assumes he's been on steroids or something to make, turn right. himself into this. Um. So the doctor's, uh, his vital signs are unstable. Nurse, prepare the NG tube. Uh, asterisk, nasogastric. <laughs> and then uh, half hour. Abbreviations. <laughs> this was years before ER became a popular show. And I guess we all learned medical terminology at that point. Right. So, um, Andy has uh, been working on him for a while, and he, the guy seems to be clearing up. And his name is David Landers. Um, but all of a sudden, he wakes up, and he throws a guy across the room. This is a little cartoonish, yeah. but um, the guy, uh, we assume, isn't hurt too badly. Two or three other guys are trying to hold him down, but the guy is disoriented and is huge he's he's the hulk basically um and randy the doctor gets close to him trying to uh trank him with the sedative and but he doesn't think he's gonna be able to do anything until he sees two black arms come out of his own chest that hold the guy down for a second then he uh sticks the needle in gives him some valium and the guy the guy is out um Randy doesn't know what the heck happened. He's like, did you see that? And uh, yeah, you just shot him full of Valium. It worked great. Oh, okay. (laughs) And nobody Um, else seems to have noticed. Yes, no one noticed. So later, uh, Randy goes to see David. He introduces himself as Dr. O'Brien. Quite a physique there. Take it, you work out a lot. Nope, never. so they, they, he says the, the girl who found him was just a friend from work that works at a cheese company. <laughs> As they all do in Wisconsin. Every single person. Yeah. 
So he, uh, so they, Randy has a very nice, uh, like non-committal answer to response to everything. Everything David said, he's like, Hmm. Anyway, I did this, blah, blah, blah. Um, Hmm. Well, she told me you were out sick for the last week. Um, and uh, he, he says that they brought him a lot of groceries and he just sat in his house and grew and that he was in constant pain and it was really killing him. Really uh, killing my dream of staying at home and doing nothing but eating with the constant <laughs> pain thing is kind of a killer. He's a, a, a niche, as they call it now. No education, something or training. Anyway, um, is that bodybuilder terminology? No, it's some online thing. It's not incel, but it's N E E T. Okay, you know what I mean, you might be hipper yeah, than me. Okay. Um, were you taking any steroids? Nope. Went out last week, and the next day I woke up uh, starving, and I was just getting hairier and stronger, and feeling in constant pain. He feels like a complete freak, like he's embarrassed to be seen by people. Yeah, he's not in a good way at this point. He's a downer. Um, he, he, yeah. Randy tries to, to pick him up a little, but um, then he, he, we cut to um, the next day, Randy is talking to Dr. Eastman, who's the head of the hospital maybe, who's chewing him out. And I guess they're arguing over what they want to do with David whether to like keep him there and maybe do their own studies on him. But Randy thinks that they can't really help him here. So maybe they should take him somewhere else. That would be more helpful to him, whether that gives them a publication or not. But, <laughs> so the, the crusty old Dean doctor hmm. yells at him. Shooters would have a field day with that guy. Calls him, uh, you're a maverick. Uh, yeah. You're not a team player. You better shape up, O'Brien. I'm not warning you again. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I met a lot of doctors, and I don't. I, I, this is all a little. Anyway, they don't all see themselves as mavericks that know everything. Yeah, I, <laughs> or they do. <laughs> They'll never argue with them. No, I mean the the. I don't know. It's a, it's a little like uh, corporate boardroom stuff more than like medical. This, you know decision making stuff but i don't know so he the randy is pretty mad and suddenly this shadow man just jumps out of him and is going to go strangle dr eastman <laughs> so randy shouts no and the eastman's like shouting at me that's it o'brien your days are numbered <laughs> hand in your badge oh wait you're a doctor oh crap <laughs> And in your doctor badge. Um, so you then, have to give away his stethoscope, I guess, instead of the gun. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> the, the shadow, this like three-dimensional shadow, uh, it's kind of a... I, I keep thinking it's like a star field on it as well. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, that's what it looks um, like. It, it comes back, and then it just goes inside Randy, and then he is reliving what just happened from this other point of view. So we see that that shadow man uh, figure records like the video and audio of whatever it sees. 
and brings it back to you and then through touch gives you the scent and whatever it had experienced. So it's a good way of sort of communicating information. It's not instantaneous and it's, um, but it's uh, reliable, I guess. It, it, you know, it's like having a remote sensor somewhere that'll tell you something that you have to go back and touch personally. So onward right. to the, the next night, um, we, Randy's in his house and um, the TV is talking about the white event. And there'd been a month long symposium on this mysterious phenomena. So Amazing. we're at least a month out of the white event and probably more so. Um, Randy just ignores that completely. He doesn't even notice that. Seems ah. So he notices a uh, ad in the paper. This is the most 1986 thing I think we've seen so far getting your information from a newspaper ad. Yes. He, uh, he sees that, uh, have strange things been happening to you lately? Has your own body become a stranger to you? Have you suddenly acquired unusual talents or disabilities? When no one else can help you, we can. The Clinic for Paranormal Research. And then an 800 number. And Randy's like, that sounds like me all over. So he calls them. And he's impressed. He's like, oh, well, they didn't sound too crazy. I guess I'll uh, give that a try tomorrow. Maybe I'll you know, just drive up there. It's like 150 miles away from him. Doesn't say exactly which town, but the Wisconsin area. Right. So. Um, Cheeseville he falls or something. Hmm? Cheeseville. <laughs> Curd Town. That's... I don't know. What do they name places up there? Uh, I uh, I, I <laughs> um, so he falls asleep and the shadow goes out of him and then it goes to find David who's still depressed and but kind of at his wit's end but so the shadow touches him feeds him the information and then next thing you know Randy's waking up um, the shadows come back and he so he sort of has memory of telling him about this but then David's just on his doorstep saying, hey, let's go. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> so the next day they drive out there and it's a nice sort of modern looking building. Um, very square. Um, maybe next to a mountain. Again, this is Wisconsin, so I'm not quite sure what they're thinking. Of that. Yeah, but. some kind of giant cheese pile of leftovers. <sighs> The, the, the guys um, go inside and, and Randy's like, I, you know, let's just use fake names and, um, you know, not tell them who we really are, um, just in case this is some you know, scam or something. Yeah, so they go in. A nice bit of realism there where he's not just like, all right, well, let's go off to the Institute and t tell them everything and we can become superheroes. It's, you know, he's, he's skeptical, he's worried. And I mean, yeah, he doesn't quite know what to make of it, but he knows there's something going on. And then, um, I mean, well, I mean, today you would be have so many like insurance forms to fill out and they'd like run your credit card and everything. So you, the chance of you showing up on someone's uh, doorstep and being, I'm John Smith with yeah. just developed a power. Um, 
So we meet a, a doctor, Dr. Uh, Dr. Semple, who um, is sort of an older woman. And she goes to talk to them both and they describe uh, what their issues are. And uh, she, they ask uh, you know, what, what she can do. And she describes some of the other patients who we'll meet in a minute. Um, and she says they've treated many cases like those and many more just as unique. Um, so this, uh, as unusual as your problems are in the three months this clinic's been in operation, we've seen others ex equally extraordinary. So for three months, this has been going on at least. And we may think that that's tied into the white event again. Right. It's, this is where I was saying before, you know, you have sort of power groups set up before the white event. Um, so I don't know, it's kind of a fast development to suddenly have an institute, you know, dedicated to this problem that just appeared three months ago. I mean, they may have just been toiling away in obscurity, like hoping that they would find these superpowered <laughs> people for years. You know, they got the rich benefactor, you know, it's like, it's going to happen. And then eventually it finally did. And he was like, oh, yeah, I was right all along. Yeah, <laughs> that's I think that's not too far off, actually, from the, the backstory. But I mean, it's, it's kind of like what the Russians were doing in Cyforce, too. It's, it's kind of like, yeah. Yeah, Cyforce definitely had these we, there were some powers but they were very weak and we not very useful and so after the white event they became strong and and controllable possible right so and she ref also refers to it as a paranormality um and I say there's not another institution we're specialists in the field of paranormal permutations so even though uh, Randy and David's powers, we'll call them that, are completely different, they do sort of group them all together um, as, as just anything that's outside normal human parameters. Um, so she offers to show them around and there's a gymnasium and we see several people we'll get to know in a minute and several that we, we don't see again in this issue. So then they are assigned a group therapy and Randy and David are both kind of psyched. They seem you know, positively impressed by this. And I think the groups are, there's several groups in the clinic. So this is one group and right. there's other people around that we're not meeting at this point that are just sort of referred to. So we go to a group therapy and this is a great way to just introduce people and have them show you their powers. Um, greatly and it does a good job of it so yep. we first meet charlie charlie beck who was a co-ed uh dancer and uh who, whose powers are she can stick to things or make things frictionless uh, and all of these people have trouble because their powers are new to them they they can't you know, they don't know what to do with them or they activate without their will or something. And so they're causing all kinds of havoc around in their personal lives. And the people around them aren't, aren't too happy with it. Uh, there's a guy named Jeff who's uh, constantly blurry because he's constantly moving fast. And he shows himself uh, running 
uh, faster than cars on the highway. He shows uh, like switching chairs on people without them even having to get up. They just poof, everything's flipped from one side of the room to the other. He uh, snaps the towel a bit with David, who's uh, so strong, you really don't want to do that. Um, uh, yeah, it took me a minute, but in, in looking again, uh, our David, our, our huge guy, uh, is sitting on cinder blocks in the beginning. So then when he swaps them out, he, he swaps them out for a folding chair, but he's so huge that he just crushes it instantly. So, yeah yeah nice it's like an aluminum folding chair like yeah you're right cinder blocks i thought it was like a ottoman or something but yeah <laughs> suddenly charlie is sitting on that the blocks and david's on her aluminum chair that just crumples like foil so let's see uh the next one we meet is scuzz um yeah <laughs> Everyone in school used to call me Scuzz. He's a high school dropout um, who's uh, short for Dennis Kuczynski. Um, and er he's, his uh, power is he's exuding something that makes everything he touches decay or uh, fall apart. So his clothes are going all the time and uh, he just disintegrates that aluminum uh, ball that um, I might have just crushed. So uh, every two days, whatever I'm wearing has more holes in it than Swiss cheese. In three days, I'm totally obscene. <laughs> okay, Lenore, who's a retired Latin teacher. So uh, she's, I don't know, 60s, but she's totally covered head to toe. And so she's basically acts like an old woman. And um she says that she noticed something strange on her skin and then uh, it started to sort of glow and it, the glow touched people, it would put them to sleep. And so she tries a little bit of this on Jeff, the super speedy guy, and it slows him down to normal speed. So it's like, that's great. Um, then the last one we meet is Stephanie, who's a housewife, uh, stay at home mother, I guess, of three kids very young kids and uh, she's talking about how she touches people and uh, charges them up and maybe has slight healing just at that time um david's like she excites me without touching me and then two <laughs> seconds later muscle coming in cramped and uh, she touches him then and uh, hey what that feels good <laughs> so pretty subtle gifted. there so positive but he's a he's like oh that's right she has a husband and kids then we switch to uh the office of philip nolan voigt head of the clinic and uh he's a sort of stuffy business looking man and there's three people in um medical outfits, orderlies or something. And they are Charn, Speck, and Heckbarth. And uh, let's see, Ms. Speck is sort of a telepath. She's saying she's getting impressions from one of the guys in the group that they're watching on like a video camera. So she's, she's a bit Diana Troy, I guess. And 
one of the other guys is doing some indoctrination and the other one is a regulator. I guess we'll find out more about that later. And um, Boyd says to himself as, as these people are leaving there um, that I, I need to bolster the ranks of the agency in order to expand operations and these clinics meet, must meet the demand. So he says the clinics. Yeah, there must be a bunch. So they're, they're, what they had been talking about was like that um, some of the paranormals may be too uh, weird to use for conventional undercover work, but even they might have their uses. So there's some sort of use that they want to put these people to. Um, they segue into a montage and um, for the next three weeks, um, all seven of the people in that group session are working together and playing together and getting to know each other and getting along. And uh, volleyball, Randy, birthdays. Yeah, cat scanners and volleyball games and Stephanie feeling <laughs> David's <laughs> muscles. <laughs> totally innocently. Uh, yeah, the, she has that like uh, 80s headband uh, aerobics outfit, which is pretty sweet. Agreed. But it, it seems everyone's uh, seems good. But later, um, David and Randy are talking again, and they're a little uh, suspicious. They're like, you know, this is going great but no one ever asks us for payment and they don't say where we're when we can leave or anything and although um so they talked to lenore who's maybe been there the longest they said yep and uh, she says yeah it's weird no one ever asked uh, how we're going to pay for any of this and everywhere else i went that was their first thing they asked um I get the feeling the clinic makes its expenses some other way, but whenever I get inquired about it, all I got was nervous evasions. That night, uh, Randy's uh, falling asleep. And, well, he's, he's in bed, but he consciously sends out the shadow to try to um, scope out the situation. Come on out of there, you dark devil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it... it Thing still has a mind of it own, its own. It seems it's an interesting power because um, he, he's he doesn't have much control over it. So. Yeah, he can. I mean, he can create it. He can kind of tell it what to do, and it kind of listens. But it also sometimes just does what it wants or what it thinks he wants. Yeah, some subconscious. I don't know. Or just pulls out someone's chair out from under them for no reason. <laughs> <you know? laughs> do some jokes later. Yeah. So the, uh, we, we cut to a monitor room where these three orderly types were um, monitoring the various uh, EPs. And um, they're talking about basically um, they go to sleep and they'll be mentally manipulated somehow by one of the guys with powers. And um, they're complaining about Randy. Um, that he's very resistant to this uh, mind control that they seem to be running on him. And that they, they're kind of, you know, they're not all like that bad, but at least one or two of them are like, "Uh, why don't you just, you know, screw him up so much that, you know, you have to put him back together later. And um, 
not very uh, caring physician types. Uh, they want to just get rid of them. It's um, suddenly they they notice that you know Randy's uh, shadow isn't inside him, and so they immediately um, assume that it's right there because one of the guys' uh, chairs yeah gets pulled out from under him, and he's like, "Oh, it was that shadow thing." I you know sound sound the alarm. Let's go attack these guys. Um, I'm going to make sure O'Brien doesn't get to the others. If Voight doesn't like it, tough. Akbar is a mean guy. Um, so the guy, the shadow gets back to Randy and he, they, um, re he relays the information about these people watching them all the time. He sends it to go tell the others just as Hackbarth gets there and he's kind of defenseless now. So Dave's room, Dave gets the message and it's uh, like, Randy's silent spook can't lie. It only passes on what it's experienced. So... The next thing, uh, David comes out and uh, smashes through the door while Hackbarth is carrying the unconscious Randy. Um, Hackbarth just, uh, I know, makes David sick in his stomach cramps. Um, yeah. It puts him right down. Scuzz comes around the corner and he says, uh, tells him to go get the, the others. And Scuzz had disintegrated the locks on his room. That's how he got out so quickly. So now all of them, Jeff, Charlie, Stephanie, Dave, uh, Scuzz, and Lenore are talking in the hall. And most of them are actually like, and the clinic's been pretty good to us. Are we sure we want to run away? Where would we go? We don't have anything else. But as Dave puts it, um, it's, it's one another that makes this place for us, not the management. You know? So just then some uh, other orderlies uh, uh, come like they're non-powered people we haven't seen before, but they've got guns, probably tranquilizer guns. Um, Charlie makes them slip and let's see, Lenore then puts them to sleep. And um, all of them sort of say, this proves it. This place is not on the up and up. It's each other we owe our loyalty to, not the clinic. Let's find Randy and get out of here. Yeah. They do that. Um, the shadow man leads them to Randy and Hackbarth, who's he just starts putting them all down. He, his power is pretty strong. He calls yeah. says he's, he's tough. Physiological regulator. He has total control over the bodily processes of everyone around him. So um, everyone's down, but somehow Dave David uh, gets. Um, gets up, keeps going, and smacks him down. Um, the next panel, uh, he says, with Hackbarth unconscious, his control over us stopped. So I guess Hackbarth was just unconscious, even though he got a huge smack in the head from like the smart, strongest guy in the world. <laughs> Didn't break his neck. Did not break his neck. So Randy's woken up at this point, and uh, antibody gets him up to speed, and he says, yes, thank you for coming for me let's get, let's all get out of here and uh this convinces us the clinic has evil designs on all of us where will we go what will we do we're gonna have to take our chances out there we were all alone with our problems before we came here now we've got one another somehow together we're all gonna make it so the next the hunted dun, dun, dun. they seem to be headed into the woods 
I remember right, it doesn't go smoothly from there. <laughs> I'm not sure how, how yeah. Uh, so this was, um, as I say, a lot of stuff, a lot of story, and even with the ways to get out a lot of exposition, like the group therapy session. Um, it's, there's a lot going on. Yes. And this uh, definitely does, I, you do get a much clearer uh, uh, sense of the personalities involved, their names, their powers, all of that. Even if they don't all use it in combat, they're, they're very um, well-realized uh, characters, I'd say. The clinic is a um, is also well set up as as a um, antagonist force. Um, you have other paranormals there. You have ne whatever nefarious purposes they're they're using them for. Um, Which we don't know. And they've they've all been. Uh, studied and manipulated for a while so who knows what that's done to them right it could be a squad of brainwashed paranormals right around the corner right around so i think as the as the new universe develops you see more the word paranormal became sort of the the word for all the white event um uh, products all the instead of superheroes, people are paranormals. Right, not mutants, mutants either. And um, okay, so it does still seem very X Men. Um, it's a. It, this was also what always uh, the TV show Heroes reminded me of. All right, it's kind They're of sort X Men of, if professor was a bad guy yeah right? like he's gathered them all together to train them and manipulate them <laughs> well like i guess professor xavier did that too but you know for, sort of yeah but less for a, you know the tony yeah the um overall i really enjoy uh the writing style mark ruinwald um he, he passed away in the mid 90s um, yep so he was very uh, well-regarded. Like people in the field all had nice things to say about him. No one's like, you know, here's my story of how Gruenwald yelled at me at a convention and like <laughs> a lot of other people I could name. Made me cry um, once. So he, uh, yeah, and he was really um, fundamental in Marvel Comics with uh, establishing a sense of continuity, apparently. And, mm -hmm. So it's interesting he wanted to branch out with this entirely new group in this entirely new universe. But, um, and yeah, he, well, the others had, uh, there were several, like Archie Goodwin took, seemed to be, have his hand in two or three titles and same with Tom DeFalco. Um, this is Gruenwald's only one. So it's, um, sticks out a bit, I guess, compared to the others. I mean, it's a comparably mature title in the sense of it doesn't feel like cartoony, but um, yeah, the, the sort of um, 
dialogue you get isn't quite what you get in any of the others either. So I think it has a nice uh, singular feel to it. Um, compared to the other team books, yeah, it's definitely um, better than Kickers. More, you know, more grown up. Um, has a um, or uh, the troubleshooters. Uh, these are like a very broad range of um, ages, uh, ethnicities. Uh, I guess you know very. In, in several ways, they're a good, like diverse group. And so you'll sort of see the dynamics of them uh, yeah, as they go the, along. With the Cyforce were all young. Yeah. And they they sort of had a more unifying principle with the the need to form the Cyhawk. You needed four plus one, and they had to stay together. DP7 are just they work well together, but are they going to be all the same seven all the time? Eh, mm -hmm. It seems a little more chaotic. We shall see. That. Yeah, I think they did a nice job with the sort of realism aspect. I think that, you know, that they have been trying to do with the new universe, too, is like, again, no costumes there. You know, what would happen if you know, all of a sudden people started developing strange powers. Well, you know, somebody might start getting them together, right? You know, and rather than just rounding them up and, you know, capturing them uh, like in Cyforce or killing them, you know, someone might be, you know, trying to use them for their own purpose, right? So they all get together. You know, they're not like a fighting force. Like they, they don't do a very good job defending themselves, even though they have impressive powers, they, you know, They've been using them and playing volleyball. They haven't been training for combat, um, kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. I think you get some kind of hints of, you know, superpowered team combat and such, but um, in a little bit more of a grounded way, if you can, for people who have all crazy superpowers. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have. You also don't have a death count in this. Uh, I don't think anyone died. That's yeah. No. That breaks convention. So yeah, um, so a it, college T-shirt. There's a lot of Ohio State shirts going on in this one. It's a um, so it's not uh, whatever grim and gritty. It's just sort of um, you know a, a TV show level of you know action but not violence if you know what i mean right might show a butt every once in a while but nothing too crazy um so let's see the so it might be a little so at least three months plus another month that they're there i don't know yeah so, so a lot of time has passed for this one uh, yeah potentially well ahead of a book like night mask where you know he got his powers right there during the white event as we saw it live happening kind of. uh, same with kickers so you know we'd have we had a football season after his gaining the powers so yeah timeline wise it's kind of hard to keep track of where everyone might be um yeah we'll start seeing people crossing over and uh, i think see. i think starbrand has the first and the first crossover in his second issue yeah the 
tune in next week for our first cross over spider-man shows up what <laughs> he's in um, everything let's see what else do we have it's um i like that he's a um randy's a doctor but he's not like he's a little more down to earth than most of the like medical people you'll see and in, in He's not very stuffy. He's just sort yeah. of, uh, doesn't have all the answers. Maybe a little yeah. bit of a maverick. Yeah, it's a bit of a maverick. Okay. Yeah. I think the guy almost had a point though, too. Like the 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 head of the hospital he was arguing with was talking about like, um, you know, like if if you didn't take it on your own to to be the only one managing it, right? If you'd opened it up so you know the rest of the hospital can kind of talk and such maybe he was just protecting uh poor david from a million more people asking him if he took steroids <laughs> I, I did. did you take steroids are you sure you didn't take steroids okay i didn't go anywhere with him you do take. it <laughs> i did like the 1-800 number for the paranormal place they ended up as 1-800-555-NORM I didn't try oh. that number. We should try that number. Do all five five fives officially not work? Because that's the movie one then. Yeah, there's like what one two one two is the info information or something. Yeah. Norm. Yeah. <laughs> Bunch it's of norms. Normal. Yeah. It's just people named Norm. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, I guess this was after um uh, Cheers was on, so everyone would know that. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's the correct norm. But yeah, DP7 did a nice job uh, in kind of ending our new universe. We got some nice references to White Event. Got a whole super team kind of starting to form. Uh, yet another kind of questionable corporate uh, entity maybe taking advantage of powered people. Yeah, so Cyforce had the Russians as one um, having their own Cyforce and this sort of rogue CIA agent forming a counter to that. Um, and this one, we don't have like a foreign uh, threat, but it's possible, you know, we have these sort of independent or possibly government related, you know, power groups that are trying to put together uh, collections of, of teams of paranormals, I guess. Yep. Some, some of the behind the scenes people that seem to know what's going on, whereas most of our title characters don't really know what's going on. Yeah, I guess we got that from both of these today. That yeah, there, the, the, there's more mysteries when you're done than when you start. Yep, but that's that's a good first issue then, right? <laughs> so I, th right. I think you had some good questions about you know talking about overall looking at the issue ones, but I think we might be going a little long, so maybe we should save that for our issue twos. Alrighty, let's. Uh, let me just point out the. Um, the locations of all these um, issue ones we had. Oh, great. Um, as I said, there, there it wasn't as New York-centric, but we still had three out of eight took place in New York City. 
or around it. Um, kickers, Merck, and Justice all uh, had at least most of their story there. Yeah, Merck, uh, okay, South Pacific. But DP7, we're in the Midwest with Wisconsin. Starbrand, not too far away in Pittsburgh. Spitfire up in Boston. Um, Cyforce in San Francisco. And Nightmask was what, DC? Uh, sounds about they right. Were, they were close to the University of Maryland, which is where his, his dad's lab was. Right. This is mediocre, but non MIT scientist, not Caltech. Yeah. D oh, yeah. Uh, Randy in DP7 also doesn't brag about his medical school all the time or his great <laughs> uh, grades in his undergrad. But um, yeah, so it, I mean, it's reasonably spread around for 1980s America. Um, yeah. I think you're, you're, we're getting a little more geographic diversity. That's cool. Yeah, almost everything's in the Northeast, but a little dalliance into California and our evil, uh, oh shoot, what's the name of the place I need to look for a job at? Uh, da, 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 da. Conquest Dynamics, of course, is in California too. So, if they're thinking, Dynamics makes it design. really sound like a uh, military-industrial complex thing, um, but it also seems to have a strong drug dealing component. <laughs> Maybe they're also trying for some sort of conquest. It's like, no, my name's just Conquest. It's a little on the nose, I know, but well. If that's like say he's got an alien name of something you know unpronounceable, even though all the aliens look like white dudes, um, you know he comes to Earth, he starts. You know, well, I got to start my evil organization. You know, I'll call myself something conquest. <laughs> so oh. obvious they'll never see it coming. We <laughs> could. Yeah, hide, hide, uh, hide in plain sight. That's a good uh, strategy. Yes. <laughs> All right, so we should rate DP7, our somewhat consistent and somewhat random rating scale. Uh, I'll take it up to an A minus. I, the, the, I like the art style and the writing style, and uh, can't, I can't, uh, I don't have a criticism for it really. So. Yeah, I'll, I'll be boring and agree. The art's better in this one than uh, Justice, for sure. Um, but yeah, the story's just as good. Yeah, does a nice job introducing. I really like Scuzz, but he shines more later, I think. Yeah, Scuzz uh, is the only teenager now so in this group, so... Um... I feel like him and Wayne from Cyforce would be a fun duo. Like they probably, of course, hate each other, but they could tear everything down <laughs> together. <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh, uh, so yeah, Justice uh, will will have to. We'll get um, build up more people around him. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Obviously, the Rebecca thinks he murdered her coworker, so got a bit of a bridge to cross there. Well, maybe they'll get over it quickly. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
some of those do have like an action movie logic to them so yeah um let's move on and <laughs> keep the story going or or in like the end of every issue is like hey remember when you murdered my partner <laughs> for no reason <laughs> oh are we on that again ouch yeah um so let's see so next week our brand again star brand issue two and spitfire and those rascally troubleshooters issue two We'll be looking for you right back at the spinner rack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to keep great. using spinner rack and everything until one of them catches on. I'll work on my uh, death sound. <laughs> <laughs> You've been murked. <laughs> All right, signing off.